Well, hello, and welcome to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. I'm Rick Moore, along with Josh Arnold, our producer and engineer, Bill Proposky. And uh, we're back to our semi-normal schedule, although that's going to be changing in the next week or two. Um, and we'll get you to more on that later on. So uh, we continue with our um, our candidates' uh, investigations. Yep, yep. All right. Four guests uh, today, uh, Laura Wason, who is a candidate for school committee in Gloucester. We have... Uh, Lennon Pina, who we had uh, on before, but uh, we had a technical problem and lost the internet, so we have him back today. Uh, we also have uh, Natasha Maggie Madre, uh, candidate for Ward uh, 4, the City Council in Lynn, and uh, candidate for Ward 6 in Lynn, uh, City Council, Cinderdan. Uh, All right, so we got that coming up here in just a minute, so stay with us. This is Trending Now on a Friday. We'll be back. Cocktails after work or a romantic dinner for two. Whatever your plan, plan to do it at Sylvan Street Grill in Peabody and Salisbury. See you at Sylvan Street. Eat, drink, and chill at the Sylvan Street Grill. Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers. A friendly, challenging environment. Everybody comes in here uh, thinking that it's like a regular boxing club where you're going to have to get in the ring and fight, and it's actually not. It's a, a classroom type of cardio exercise boxing class. We have uh, 60 bags. The classes range anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, from 8 rounds to 12 rounds. Uh, there's music playing. The instructor teaches the class, and you have a good time. You learn how to box and have fun and exercise during the class. Title Boxing, Danvers. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning to replace the windows in your home, I have just two words for you. Anderson Windows. Anderson is the most trusted name in windows throughout the United States. See the complete line of Anderson Windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber Cherry Farm Creamery wishes all the teams and players the best of luck this fall. Check out the fall ice cream flavors now available. Pumpkin, caramel, apple. Cherry Farm offers 20% off to kids in uniforms. Enjoy the taste of summer all year round at Cherry Farm Creamery, Conant Street, Danvers. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our first guest is Laura Wieson, who is a candidate for school committee in Gloucester. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Josh. Well, we usually start out and ask folks to give us a three or four minute bio. So why don't you start there and then we can talk about some of the issues uh, in the Gloucester. Okay, that sounds great. Um, so my family moved to Gloucester about nine years ago. Uh, we have two children, one who is a student at the Beeman Memorial Elementary School and the other in her last year of preschool. Uh, before moving to Gloucester, I was a television news and documentary producer and communication specialist. So I have about two decades of experience um, working with budgets and with teams and making sure that we would listen to a number of voices for every single project we did, listen, um, sift through the information, and produce something that was accurate um, and deliver it on time and at budget. So these are skills. Um, that have been applicable to many, many things um, and I think would be extremely useful on the school committee. Um, as I've been uh, entering the school system last year with my daughter, I uh, started meeting with as many people as I could in our community to learn about our schools um, and to learn about what, you know, how people felt about our schools. And um, I learned that while there were so many, many good things happening in our schools, there was still an outdated sense of Gloucester schools as being bad. Um, and every time I would sort of encounter that and, and explain to people what from teachers, from other parents, people were surprised to hear um, of the positive things. So as a communications professional, of course, my ears perked up. And uh, I, um, you know, I started looking at what, how the school system was communicating. And unfortunately, um, while there are many good things happening in the schools, 
um, the, the, the Gloucester school system just hasn't been communicating very well, both with families within the community and with the greater Gloucester and North Shore communities. So I am really eager to bring my skills as a communicator and as a communications professional to the Gloucester Public Schools through the school committee um, and help both um, talk about the positives and also explain some of the challenges that we face here in Gloucester. Great. Well, I, I uh, want to get in some questions now. And it's funny you mentioned about uh, public relations and communications. When the state uh, came in and took over Chelsea years ago, uh, one of the first things they did is that when they was, went into receivership, uh, they uh, hired a public relations group to come in and pretty much document what they were doing so that mm -hmm. they had a measure, they could, there was a not only were they measuring what they were doing, but they wanted to uh, be able to make drive that point home and let people know just what changes were being made and why. So it's, it's an interesting point that you make. Um, so it, you're, what you're asking for or calling for it really is, a, is a, some type of strategic public relations plan for the, for the school system. Absolutely. I think we need to start off by looking at where we are communicating and where we're not. Um, you know, how our social media is working, how our website is working, how we're communicating. You know, as a parent um, of an elementary school uh, student, you get a folder that goes back and forth every day with your student, and that's how they, um, the school communicates via flyers. Um, so we need to look at all of that um, and also look at in-person meetings. Where are the opportunities for parents and caregivers and um, other, me other interested members of the community who might want to volunteer, where are the opportunities that they can hear directly from the school committee or from the administration? Um, we need to look at all of that, and I think we really need to be uh, improving <laughs> um, on the communication, you know, both the online communication, and also we need to really um, add some opportunities for in-person uh, interaction, informal and formal, you know, coffees, um, meet your school committee before a school play evening, that kind of thing. We really need to just bring everyone in to our, to our schools. They're hugely important in our community. Great. Now, you, you were an advocate of having the school board meetings uh, rotating uh, at each school. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So, you know, part of my preparation uh, for running for school committee was going to just about every school committee meeting uh, last year. And the meetings are held on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock in the Blackburn Circle Administrative Offices. And honestly, almost no one comes. <laughs> uh, they are dry. They're sort of boring. And they're not convenient. I mean, Blackburn Circle is not convenient to where anyone lives. And to be honest, most people don't even know they're happening or why they would go. So I'm a, you know, I believe we need to bring, them, bring our school committee into our schools um, promote those meetings as opportunities for, again, for parents, teachers, students to come and speak at the beginning. There's always an opportunity for the public to speak. And let them share directly what their concerns are, what their successes are. And let's just sort of, that's, I think, the first step in building um, a more cohesive group and, and, a, and a better sense that we're all in this together. Great. Now, what... Um uh, you, uh, having attended the uh, all of the meetings uh, this year or, or over the past uh, cycle, um, uh, must have keyed in on the deliberations regarding a new elementary school. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, and uh, uh, share with us uh, some of the some of the issues that uh, you saw coming up and and how they were dealt with. Sure. So. Um the very the, the day that I walked into a school committee meeting and it was packed was amazing, um, and that was because um, the Green Street uh, slash Schoolhouse Road community had organized to come in to speak about um, the school and how they didn't want it on their uh, on that on that land there, and I thought, wow, this is great. This is democracy. People organizing and showing up and making their voices heard. So. I just want to say that that was a great example of people showing up to advocate. Um, you know, I've toured East Gloucester Elementary School with the principal there, uh, Amy Pascarello, and it's, it's in terrible shape. Um, 
There are things that have fallen from the ceiling. There's a river running through the basement. There's no sprinkler system in there for fire. Um, you know, it, it's it's in really bad shape. It's 70-plus years old. Um, and our kids need a much better space than that. Um, you know, all of Gloucester's elementary schools, with the exception of West Parish, of course, you know, were built from 50 to 70 years ago. But East Gloucester particularly um, is in need of a new building. Um, and I listened to the deliberations at the school committee meeting, and I, you know, people asked very careful questions of the architects about, you know, what the different options were and what it would mean to have a just an East Gloucester school, what, would it, what it would mean to combine with the veteran school, which isn't far behind uh, East Gloucester in age. And I think they went through a very... Um, you know, a deliberative, thoughtful process. And it was quite clear to me that, you know, given the cost of building a new school, it makes complete sense to combine those schools. We really don't have the money to just build five individual new elementary schools at a cost of, you know, $50 million. That's, that's an approximation each. Um, so the, the idea of combining these schools, they're close together in distance. Um, the what the uh, architects showed us is that about 60% of current East Gloucester students actually live closer to veterans. So this one made a lot of sense. Um, um, I was, you know, really impressed with the way they looked at how to put these together. And, you know, I'm someone who used to live over by the, the Green Street Schoolhouse Road site. A lot of the people who were coming to um, express their opinions about not putting the school there were my neighbors. And I think they made a very, very good point about the need to preserve the green space there. Um, so I think I think they've made a very um, good choice in choosing to put the school where the current veteran school is now and to expand it to, for both schools. Um, I think those both those schools' communities will benefit hugely from a new state-of-the-art, safe um, disability uh you know, um, allowing dis children with disabilities to enter their schools, compliant with safety measures, uh, both for fire and for possible intruders. I think it's a great, I think it'd be a win-win for, for both communities. Well, that's good. That's great. I know East Gloucester School was built uh, a year apart from West Parish. They were 48 and 49, and then Beeman and uh, Veterans were built uh, in 54 and 57, uh, respectively. And they... Uh, mm -hmm. The, they put a, a, a million dollars into the uh, East Gloucester School back around 1989-90 and, and a million five in to uh, veterans around 92-93. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, but all of those things have a layer roof. It's good for 20 years, you know. Right. You know. Right. Fought. So right. a school built in 1949 wasn't expected to be around for a hundred years. Businesses are. <laughs> And, and somewhere along the way, someone should have said, gee, if we build a school over here, we, we're probably going to need to build one over here again or re rehab it or what have you. Right. And as someone, and as Jonathan Pope has pointed out, these schools were built at a time when, when oil was, you know, 17 cents a gallon. They were built at a time when sort of uh, utilities were not a major expense. And, of course, now they're giant expense that the city is is paying for and we need to be more efficient yeah 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 and the uh the codes were different in those days too the uh, uh you mentioned there's no fire uh, uh there's it's no sprinklers. fire suppression that wasn't code then and that uh right. uh it's only been recently uh that that's uh, a new well anything uh, that's new or if if the reconstruction uh, is uh, greater than 25% of the assessed valuation when it was originally built, then you have to, uh, or the, you're expanding the blueprint beyond 20%, you have to bring it up to code. So that would bring the fire suppression system in. I actually, when I was the operations guy there, I put I put new fire alarm systems in all of those schools. But mm -hmm. even as at that time, they were state of the art, uh, but not by uh, by today's standards. Right. No, all the codes have changed. It's true. And the, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act has also changed accessibility requirements for schools. Um, and, you know, we need to be we need to be conscious of that as we as we move yeah, forward. The, yeah, 
and the, the you have to have braille and you have to have yeah, there's a lot of different things that uh, uh, different pieces of the puzzle that uh, weren't available or, or weren't required that are now uh, standard expectation for for public buildings well thank you for being a guest on trending now with josh arnold certainly wish you the very best in your coming election next week and uh, oh, my pleasure my pleasure josh and i want to thank the gloucester daily times for their endorsement this morning i'm i'm really i'm really grateful for that great great well we look forward to uh, chatting with you again in the near future take care laura Thanks. thank you josh bye-bye Start the fall season with a winning mortgage rate from your hometown team. Whether you are thinking about buying a new home or condo or refinancing your existing one, our loan rates are among the lowest anywhere. Check out our full menu of rates and terms and apply online 24-7 at institutionforsavingsloans.com. Institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIF, equal housing lender. Harrington Trophy has been rewarding the North Shore for over 30 years with quality custom awards, screen printing, embroidery, and more. We pride our family-owned business on our exceptional customer service and quality products for the right price. Custom t-shirts, sweatshirts, warm-up suits, hats, along with the area's top trophies, plaques, glass awards, we are the one-stop shop for end-of-the-year banquets or advertising your small business through apparel. Come see us at Harrington Trophy, Chestnut Street, Lynn, or HarringtonTrophy.com. You'll love the Bradford Tavern in Rowley as they feature a menu to please everyone. Start your meal with your choice from a dozen delicious appetizers. There are also soups and fresh salads. Dinner selections include burgers, sirloin tips, chicken parmesan, chicken piccata, and then there's seafood, clams, haddocks, salmon, lobsters, and fish tacos. Plus a wide selection of sandwiches and wraps. Let the Bradford Tavern host your events or functions set in unique spaces. Open Six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. The Bradford Tavern, Route 133 Rowley and BradfordTavern.com. The North Shore is listening to MSONewsports.com and our great selection of podcasts. Hi, this is Phil Stacy, Executive Sports Editor at the Salem News. Make sure to listen to our podcast every week with the sports writers from the Salem News, including Matt Williams, Nick Giannino, and myself. MSO News Sports, connecting you to the North Shore. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Lennon Pina, who is a candidate for uh, at-large city council in Lynn. Lennon, welcome to the program. Welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you, Mr. Arnold. Well, we're glad to have you back. We had uh, you on last week, and uh, the uh, we had a technical problem where we lost our internet connection, and so some of this may be repetitious, but uh, for the but we wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt and, and start again. So give us a three or four minute bio, and then we can get into talking about some of the issues. Okay. Well, my name is Lennon Pena. I'm a candidate for council at large in a great city of Lynn. I am 48 years old, lived in Lynn most of my life. I uh, went to Lynn Public Schools from kindergarten to high school. Uh, I am an employee of the Lynn Water and Sewer Commission. And as a homeowner, as a you know city employee, I have the same concerns as a lot of other people. We, we have, you know, we have a fiscal crisis we're facing. You know, we have lack of safety and, you know, we, we have a housing crisis that's going on. And those are the things why I want to run. Great. I like to be a voice for everyone. Well, now you you mentioned a, um, you mentioned a housing crisis, uh, and I know that's been an issue in every city and town. Or folks we've talked to running for office, the lack of uh, affordable housing. Tell us about that, as far yeah. as Lynn is concerned. Well, i I believe in uh, I believe that the the city officials now and people in office believe that the the answer to our fiscal crisis is to bring more housing developments. And uh, what that's doing is uh, some of these builders are coming in with tax breaks and uh, they're not making any affordable units for for anyone or any inclusionary zone. And, and there's a, I just want to clarify, there's a big difference between subsidized housing and affordable housing. And what's happening is, uh, you know, you know, uh, property taxes are, are rising. You know, the, the new market rate uh, is, is rising the cost of living. And people are being pushed away. Rents are sky high in Lynn, and there's nothing we don't. You know, some of these. You know, Lynn doesn't have the CPA Act, Community Community Preservation Act, nothing. So there's nothing getting back to our 
to our residents. And at what price is it, you know, we're, we're bringing these uh, developers and people are being pushed away. And this is a serious matter. I've met, I, I've been out there door knocking. I've met so many people who work 40, 50 years of their life and they can't afford the cost of living. You know, some people have to sell their homes. You know, they keep rising taxes. You know, one, I remember a young lady, she's on, uh, you know, fixed income. She's, she's retired and she has to sell a home now. Her tax is eleven grand a year. Like this is insane. Like we need to think about people first. At what price are we? You know, and and, and I I think we should you know expand the commercial base. You know, we need to bring investors who want to bring commercial revenue, like hotels and every every city surrounding us in the North Shore, Revere, Peabody, Saugus, Salem. They all have hotels. Like we need to tap on that. You know, it's a big market. We're we're twelve minutes from Boston now with the new casino. I think hotels would be great for the city of Lynn. And I, I don't think congesting our, our community is, is, is the answer, you know. And, and if we're not, I mean, I'm with bringing more units, but let's make it affordable. You know, we can't push people out. I, 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 you know, it's, it's rents are sky high, you know, and people work. They send the kids to college. The kids got to come back home. You know, they can't, they can't afford a place to live, you know. We need better wages. We, you know, we need to make 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 some affordable housing for people. We need to think about people, and this is very important. This election now. You mentioned public safety, uh, and uh, I know that prior previously we talked about uh, violence in Lynn and need for added law enforcement. Talk to us a little bit about that, please. Yes, yes. Um, we lack we lack. Um, Safety, you know, we, we're missing police officers, and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm really great that the I'm grateful for the that I guess they're going to hire 26 new police officers. But one thing that we lack is we lack police officers that reflect the community. How better can you work with the community with people that look like them and identify with them? You know, but safety is a big concern. You know, um, we, we you know we we just had a murder not too long ago on in, in, on Union Street during the daytime. We you know. They, we, we need to bring back uh, programs like the Street Patrol, uh, programs like DARE, where we got to work with our youth with prevention. And we got to work, work with our training, our police officers, with resolution to conflict, like the opioid crisis, drug, you know, the drug epidemic. And, and, and we got to work with uh, resolution. And, you know, let, let's look for, tr- you know, alternatives to treatment. Like, you can't criminalize addicts, you know. And we got to help people. Okay, great. And uh, you talked about fiscal uh, problems, and I know that uh, the city implemented a, uh, a trash fee last year, uh, or within the last term at least, and that helped uh, along with a loan to bail out uh, the, the deficit from the state. Uh, what else? Uh, you also talked about uh, expanding the tax base by, you know, uh, getting hotels and other uh, balanced development. What else uh, needs to be done to, to make it all work? We need to work with our small businesses, you know, invest in our local local businesses, entrepreneurs. You know, we need to work with uh, getting, a, you know, with our vocational training where we can get some training for adults. And then we, we, you know, I am in, I am in, um, I, I, I do agree with bringing the city planner, you know, and, and that can help a lot of the, um, these nonprofit organizations and bring more ideas. And then we can work collectively together because um, this is a, Lynn is a big melting pot, you know, it's very diverse and we have to work together. And that's one thing that I'm very vocal is that, you know, we all agree that, we, you know, this is a diversity, but we need to see more diversity in our local government. We don't see that in our schools, you know, in, in, in our local government, city hall. Like, we need to see more people of color involved because we're a community. We can work together. You know, we're all, we're all on the same page. We want to see Lynn move forward in a the, in, in the positive direction, but we have to do it together. You know, we need to get ideas from different community leaders and see how we can, you know, build our city. Like, we, Lynn, I remember when I was a kid, Lynn was very pedestrian-friendly. And, and now people don't feel safe in our downtown area. You know, we need to bring bring more, you know, retail, work with local entrepreneurs, bring more retail and encourage businesses to grow, and, and let's help them grow. You know, that's how we can invest in our own people to help our local economy. Great. And invest in commercial revenue. And, and so we'll bring more tax, expand that commercial tax base. 
So you uh, you mentioned uh, the issues of cultural diversity for staffing, and, and not simply uh, in law enforcement, but you're 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 looking to see greater diversity uh, in all city uh, uh, buildings and departments. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's something that we a lot of people want to see, and 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 you know. You know, we, we've over the years we've had a very low voter turnout because people don't see, you know, their peers running for office. They don't see a lot of things involved. So, you know, we want to make those changes. You know, we like to see more women and people of color in, in leadership positions in our lo- local government. You know, I like to see you know City Hall have a little more diversity and and, and expand. You know, do a little more promotion, promote our, our different cultures that we have. You know, have. You know, you know, be bilingual. Promote jobs outside of of, of, of city hall. You know, pro, you know, bring, you know, promote jobs in different languages. You know, there's a lot of people that are skilled, but you know, they may have a language barrier. But we have a lot of skillful people in our city, and they can all be contributing and be part of our community. That's great. Now uh, we've got maybe a two minutes left. Uh, what any other issues you'd like to discuss uh, as you uh, wind down your campaign? Tell me, tell me a little bit about your campaign and what you've been doing and uh, how that's going. Well, it's been old school, walking, knocking, and talking. And I've been out there, and 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 like like I said again, this is this this race is very important because it's not about whether I want to represent any kind. We're representing people from Lynn. People are being pushed out. You know, people's people's uh, future is at stake right now, and we all need a better win. You know, and and I'm I'm running because I love this community. I love everyone in and and win, and I think all our children, everyone deserves a better win. That's why I want to run. Okay. That's why I hope to be the change in our community. Well, thank you. Well, we certainly wish you well in your uh, bid for public office, and uh, want to thank you for again yeah. spending some time with us uh, and being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Yes. Hey, don't forget on November fifth, vote number four, Lenin Peña. El día cinco de noviembre, vote el número cuatro, Lenin Peña. Estamos aquí para servirle a usted. Juntos podemos. Together we can. Thank you. Thank you, Lenin. Take care. Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers, a friendly, challenging environment. Title Boxing is a great place to come for exercise, uh, to help yourself get into shape, meet some new people, have a good time while you're working out, lift some weights, meet some friends that will probably be with you for a long time because it's like a family environment here. The instructors are all great. You can try it out a few times. We have boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. You actually get to come in and take the first class free. You can try it out probably about two or three times before you can actually make a decision. Title Boxing. Danvers. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning on remodeling your kitchen or just thinking about it, may I suggest that you visit our kitchen cabinet showroom in downtown Beverly. There you will find some 25 kitchens on display, just as they might look in your own home. And you can also talk with our kitchen cabinet sales team, who really do know what they are talking about. That's at Moynihan Lumber, 82 River Street in downtown Beverly. Moynihan Lumber. Looking to run up the score on your savings? Open a CD savings or money market account at Institution for Savings. Fall's the perfect time to earn funds for your future. And our rates are among the best. Stop by one of our offices in Amesbury, Beverly, Boxford, Gloucester, Hamilton, Ipswich, Middleton, Newburyport, Rockport, Rowley, Salem, Salisbury, and Topsfield. Or visit us online at institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIM. Fact is, including the commute, people spend 10 hours a day at work. No wonder they're forced to buy car insurance in 15 minutes. They just don't have time to go meet with someone. Well, Columbia Insurance has an alternative. The insurance professionals at Columbia Insurance Agency will meet with you at your workplace. Even better, we'll go to the registry and bring your plates back to you at work, free of charge. At Columbia Insurance Agency, we come to you, and we really do. Visit ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net and set up an appointment today. That's ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Natasha, uh, Natasha Maggie Madre. Uh, welcome to the program. 
Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're running for a uh, uh, city council in Lynn, and it's Ward 4, correct? Yes, that's correct. All right, so tell me, uh, we usually start out and ask folks to give us a three or four minute bio, and then we can get into some questions, and, and as it is, we have three people from Lynn uh, on the show today, so uh, we just had uh, Lennon Pena, Pena uh, and uh, we have you now, so tell us about you, and uh, let's talk about the Lynn issues. Oh, uh, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again for this opportunity. I'd love to be able to speak to voters and anybody who's interested in Lynn as as a whole. So my name is Natasha Meji Madri. Um, I uh, originally I was not born in Lynn, but I grew up in Dorchester. And um, after uh, some apparently some parents, my parents both are immigrants. They came to this country from Haiti. My um, my mom was three years old and my dad was five and they've been in this country ever since and they've been they're hard-working immigrants and i'm very proud of that they always taught me to like work hard at anything that i wanted to do in life and i get a lot of that from them um i grew up in dorchester and after uh growing up in dorchester i went to boston public schools and after that i went to regis college so I was the first in my family to go to a four-year college, which was, like, a really amazing thing. Um, so I went to college, and after college, uh, I moved to Lynn, actually. Uh, I wasn't able to live in Dorchester anymore because of the cost of living in Dorchester had gone up so much so that I moved to Lynn because it was cheaper to live there in Lynn. So after college, I moved to Lynn, um, where, and then I went and got my law degree at New England School of Law. Um, so I'm also a local, a local attorney. Um, I've practiced immigration law, some family law, a little bit of um, act law. I decided, um, and I love the city of Lynn. It's a great city, nice place to live. I've been married uh, for 17 years. We're raising our five wonderful kids here in Lynn. Um, they range in age from 12 through 23. Um, very proud mom. And um, the reason I decided to first run for office was because I really felt like um, being involved in the community wasn't enough. I wanted to, um, I was on various PTOs and different things like that and um, different volunteer opportunities. And I really felt like, like I needed to do more. So that's why I decided to run for school committee initially. Um, I believe that all kids need to have a great education. So I ran for school committee and, um, I ran for school committee twice, and after that I decided um, to run for city council because I feel like I need to work on primarily my area of land where I live in Ward 4. Uh, I feel like my services could be best um, helped in uh, for city council, so that's why I ran for Ward 4. So I'm running now because I really feel like I can make a change in Lynn. Um, Lynn is a very diverse city, but there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed and are not being addressed. And that's why I'm running for city council. Well, oh, thank you. We've had different folks on for Lynn, and one of the issues that uh, has been spoken of uh, has been the uh, fiscal solvency of Lynn. I know that they had a deficit uh, uh, within the last couple of years, and, and they've had to institute a trash fee and some other measures to try to uh, shore up the budget. Uh, tell us about that and tell us uh, how that's going and uh, what the prognosis for uh, fiscal stabilization for Lynn is. Absolutely. So I feel like the trash fee was a mistake. Um, I feel like a lot of residents were not aware of the trash fee and it was just pushed upon them. So I do, I would uh, definitely be opposed to, um, I want to have that repealed. I don't think the trash fee was a good move on the city's part. I understand it helped to get them out of debt, but we need to do other things to get out of debt. We need to really focus on bringing more money into the city, and in order to do that, we need to have a city planner. Like, Lynn is almost 100,000 people in Lynn, and it's crazy that there's not a city planner. We need a city planner. We need people that are writing grants specifically so we can bring more money into the city. That's astounding that a si the community of your size does not have a city planner. I just uh, I, I find that it, uh, amazing. Yes, definitely. So, uh, a city planning and uh, uh, what uh, what else, you mentioned uh, um, 
diversity uh, and, and some of the prior folks that have been on the show have talked about diversity in the context of staffing and uh, uh, as far as municipal positions and so forth. Any thoughts on that? Absolutely. So the diversity in Lynn is, Lynn is a very diverse city, but when it comes to City Hall, the, um, the police department, the um, the police, um, so the police department, city hall, the fire department, all lack minority staff. So they have very few people of color that work at these departments, and we need to do better. So uh, I heard a statistic that it was 36% white, um, Lynn is 36% white, and um, if you look at city hall, over 80% of those jobs are held by white people. So that just shows that we don't have enough minorities in City Hall, and all you have to do is walk through City Hall and you see that. If you look at the City Council, you see only two people of color out of 11 people that represent a huge city like Lynn. So we need to do better, and in order to do better, we really need to look at the hiring practices, because a lot of Lynn is you get a job based on who you know, and that's not how it's supposed to be. So there should be a more fair process to make sure that all jobs are advertised. We need to make sure that people of color are actually on these um, these hiring committees, and then that way we can ensure that more minorities and people of color are hired. When I was in the public sector, I, I worked real hard to try to convey to the elected officials that um, what they should offer their constituents was uh, a, a, a belief that knowing them didn't get them a job but would get them an interview. In other words, exactly. it was... Okay, it yes, was, like it could get your foot in the door, get you but get not for, get you the job. Best, but when if, you have a city referral, sitting, yeah, and saying, oh, I got you your job, that just shows the lack of, yeah. you know, like there's definitely something broken there, for yeah. sure. Well, I, I taught... Uh, 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 classes in Lynn years ago through Gordon College, uh, graduate yeah. education classes, and, and I remember hearing at the time that 85, that was probably 10 years ago, 85 different languages were spoken among the uh, students attending uh, Lynn High School. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. you are a really culturally diverse uh, uh, city. Um, affordable but, housing... So when you look at diversity and you look at like the city, um, so the meetings that we have in town are not, there's no translation services around, like this is very hard for people who don't speak English to really take part in government because they don't have a way to do that. Okay, and so uh, housing is, continues to be, from folks we've talked to, uh, Lynn doesn't seem to be any different. Tell us about that and, and what steps can be taken to to provide more housing units and, and not uh, subsidized housing as much as affordable housing. Absolutely. So I have some stats. So the majority of Lynn residents are tenants. Approximately 55% of households are renters. And that so that's a huge amount of renters in Lynn. And the problem is that the rents keep going up. So the average rent for a two-bedroom apartment in 2015 was $1,300, and now it's closer to $1,700. So it's very, like, so the rents keep rising, but the problem is that people's jobs are not increasing, so people can't afford to these increases. And a lot of the times the, um, the landlords don't live in land, they live out of state, and they are just renting um, their apartments. A lot of them are slumlords and not taking care of their apartments, and, and the people in Atlanta have no choice, and they have to live in these terrible conditions because they have no choice, because they can't find another decent apartment to live. Um, I believe that all these new, so they're making all these new developments, but all these developments are really from rich people that don't live in Lynn because they're very expensive. You can't afford to live there. So it's not like they're making these developments for the people that are actually in Lynn. So I'm not sure. So it's luxury apartments, and they're great, and they're nice, but they don't include affordable housing. So I feel like all new developments should have at least, at the very least, 20% of affordable housing. And if you don't have that, that's a huge, huge problem. So we need to make sure that that is happening. We need exclusionary zoning. We need to make sure that we take care of the people who live in Lynn because everybody is being pushed out. Public safety is an issue that folks uh, have talked about in other communities, but in particular in Lynn. Tell us about uh, how that, what you see that, if you see that as an issue and, and what needs to be done. 
Absolutely. So crime is definitely a big issue in Lynn. Every time I turn on the TV, you see something else is terrible happening. Um, I really want to make sure that we watch out for each other, that we know what's going on. We should have cameras outside our houses, um, things like that. Like, I feel like it starts at home. We need to train our kids. We need to make sure that they feel safe. I'm a mom of five, and I want to make sure that my kids are out, that they can go outside and they can be safe, and that you don't have to worry about them going to the corner store and something's going to happen to them. So as a mom, I really, really want to make sure that the city is safe. Um, there's different, different uh, programs like Stop the Violence out there, but we need more programs like that. Uh, we need more funding into those types of programs, and one program is not enough. We need to do way more than that in the city of Lynn. And uh, what, uh, it, so the, uh, some have spoken that there's a need for to add more law enforcement officials for the city? Absolutely, and those those law enforcement officials need to be people of color because we want to make sure that our kids can relate to these police officers. We don't want, I, I don't think the kids need to be scared. They need to be able to relate and be able to talk to these police officers. So we need more police officers of color, for sure, in Lynn. Great, and, and you talked about uh, translation services, and that's come up in a few other communities. Uh, how... Uh, What's being done now to c communicate or uh, with the public at large, or, or, or is there does it fall uh, shy of what's really needed? Oh, it's absolutely falling shy of what's needed. So if you go to the um, city council meetings, there's no translation services provided, and we need to make sure that that's what's happening. So I was just at a forum. It was a housing that by over 150 people. And so that's the type of thing that does. Then people can feel more welcome and feel like their voice matters as well. We had a woman on the show earlier today as running in Gloucester for school committee, and she's talking about uh, communication as an arm of government and, and said she wants to see all school committee meetings held at each different school. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful idea. Yes, like, let's have, the more meetings, the better. And if you have, like, in Lynn, so we have, like, some PTOs that are working really well, all you have to do is do exactly what they're doing at all the different schools. Like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We just need to figure out what's working and do the same thing across the city. It shouldn't be, like, for example, if you're going to have Halloween parties, you should have Halloween parties at all elementary schools, not, like, certain elementary schools because the parents are pushing for it then they can have Halloween. Whatever you're going to do, it should be across the city. This is what needs to happen. It needs to be more consistent, and it needs to just just work for everybody. And that's should, it. That's just really what I believe. Along that theme, should should the uh, city council meetings be uh, uh, at different points in the city as opposed to wherever they are at city town hall? Should they, you know, if, if it, when it's budget time, should they have a, a meeting in each ward? Would that um, I think they should have meetings monthly. And um, I think also it would be great to have child care available at the city um, council meetings because many parents want to go, but they're often really late. And um, I know they also televise them now as well, which is really good. It's definitely a step in the right direction. But again, these meetings are not in other languages, and it does leave out a huge amount of land. And don't... And, those residents are also not voting because they're like, oh, well, my vote doesn't count. What's the point? I don't even know who my counselor is. I don't know how to contact them. This really, like, this government is not for me. And this is really where I want to make sure that people understand, you know, like, their vote really does matter. Great, great. Well, I want to thank you for uh, taking some time out of your campaign to, to be on our show and to uh, talk about all the issues in Lynn and certainly wish you the best of, of success in your uh, campaign next week. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back and we can chat another time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having the opportunity to, uh, to speak to the voters. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for your show. And just, I really believe it's important to have informed voters. So when you go to the polls, don't just vote for the people that you know. Vote for the best candidates. Like, that's honestly the best thing to do. And bring friends with you because everybody needs to vote. We fought for this right to vote. We can't not vote. Just vote and bring everybody that you know also to vote. That's it. Thank you, Natasha. Have a good day. Thank you. You Bye. have a great day. Bye-bye.
Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Did you know that professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States? And if you're thinking about replacing the windows in your home, you should see the Anderson Woodwright replacement windows, which can add considerable value to any home. See the Anderson Windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastow, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Enjoy the taste of summer all year round at Cherry Farm Creamery. Check out the fall ice cream flavors now available. Pick up an ice cream cake for that special occasion. The home of Sun and Air Golf, the North Shore's premier golf and learning center. Cherry Farm Creamery, Conan Street, Danvers, cherryfarmcreamery.com. Now hiring for the school year. Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Cinda Don, who is the candidate for Ward 6 City Councilor in Lynn. Cinda, Cindy, w- welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, we usually start out and say, ask folks to give us a three or four minute bio, and then we can get into some questions about the community. Okay, sure. Um, so my name is Cinda Don. I'm 28 years old, and this is my first time running for office, and I am a candidate for Ward 6 Councilor in Lynn. I'm the daughter of um, Cambodian genocide survivors who came to the States as refugees and the daughter of a union member, a graduate of Lynn Class School in UMass Boston, where I earned a degree in human services. And I got into politics because our home was going through foreclosure, and it was through this experience that I noticed so many families in Lynn who were sharing our same struggles. It was communities and people who were never empowered to use their voice in government or um, folks and families who didn't even know that they had a voice in government, and I think that that really stood out to me. It felt like it felt like an injustice and um, a lot of political apathy that 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 exists. And how can we how can we change that? So I spent over half of a decade working in state government, where I gained hands-on experience on reading and writing legislation and um, learning about ways how we can effectively advocate uh, for our communities by by working together, right? Because what you notice is that. Um, you're stronger when, when working with a community and you build this movement and you build a, a pipeline for uh, change on what you believe in. And so I'm running for office because I, I care so deeply about our community in Lynn and I am taking my experience with me so that we can move Lynn forward together. Great, that's that's wonderful. Now, uh, in terms of the uh, the issues in Lynn, uh, some have talked about public safety being an issue. Do you see that as an issue, and, and what what needs to be done? Yeah, so public safety. I feel like you know we should talk about uh, prevention and education and resources as well as. Are we doing enough for our young people, right? For me, growing up, I noticed a lot of my friends and, like, what we were recognized and what was glorified was was bad behavior. And there weren't any spaces for people to process their their traumas that they have, right, whether it's housing insecurity, food insecurity, if they're not living in a stable home and are in the foster care, like, that, those, those issues, those those things that they go through can manifest into something else. And so we need to have a space to have proactive conversations with community members that are directly impacted or who have gone through this to let us know how, how we can be of help. How can we make this better for our residents in Lynn? And so that's providing these services for young people to process uh, negative emotions such as rejection and anger, what do when they're sad, and how can we translate that into effective communication so that it doesn't manifest into something else and being able to, um, you know, let go of any stigma that there is surrounding mental health and, and providing a safe space for, for young people to, to thrive and learn about how to process these emotions. Um, I feel like that, that would be like bringing community into the conversation and seeing how we can better help them and talking about these unaddressed traumas um, would be a good start. Affordable housing continues to be an issue in every city and town, it seems, uh, from the folks that we've talked to. Uh, we've had two guests on today uh, who spoke about uh, in Lynn in particular and, and noting that the rents are high, uh, there's not enough affordable housing. Weigh in on the subject. Tell us what you think, what, what you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. So Lynn is, yeah, 
So a lot of residents in Lynn feel like they are being left behind in the decision-making process when it comes to, especially when it comes to housing and getting all these new new developers. And so, you know, I understand that Lynn needs economic development, but what we really need is equitable economic development, right? We need to ensure that our elected officials, our community leaders are putting our residents first. Like these are people who have invested their future and families in Lynn. And so, you know, we can't, we can't let those folks down that want to continue to call Lynn their home. And I feel like, you know, Lynn's median income is around like $55,000. And there's no way that people can keep up with like rising costs, especially if seniors are on a fixed income and they raise, they raise the rent. Like that's not, that's not practical. That's not, that's not okay. And so what I believe is that we should consider have hiring city planners that will have a primary focus which will be on equity and inclusion, who will bring all voices to the table, which includes, you know, bringing elected officials, developers, neighborhood and civic associations, as well as labor organizations to the table so that they can, so that we can proactively work on achieving equitable economic development. And I feel like so often when um, people from Lynn talk about affordable housing, they always say, well, Lynn has enough affordable housing. Um, what about other cities and towns like Swanskit and, 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 um, Saugus, they, they're not doing X, Y, and Z, but it's, it's not about what other neighboring cities and towns are doing. It's about what Lynn is doing for our residents. So we need to keep that conversation just saying, what are we doing as community leaders in Lynn to ensure that we are protecting our residents? And Lynn definitely needs affordable housing. There's an there's a issue uh, expressed uh, on this show uh, today and, and other days about uh, the reflect that says that given the diversity of the population is not reflected in city administration in terms of the, the types of positions that people hold in the public sector. Do you agree with that? And, and what do you think should be done? Yeah. So, so I definitely don't think like in any municipal or in our, in our city, like um, the community is not reflected in, in leadership positions or even through municipal jobs at all. I think that we should, because what happens is like, you know, I believe that good governance uh, works best when it is represented by all of the people that live in that community. And when that, when that doesn't happen, uh, that means there, there are so many voices and experiences that, that aren't being considered. There's nobody that is actively thinking about the pain and struggles that other families share. And I think we need to really have like a focus on equity and inclusion and bringing that to the forefront of any decision-making process because that, that in turn will affect our young people, right? Young people need to see that there are people that look like them in order to let them know that they have these options and that this belongs to them too. So <laughs> I don't know how to like focus that. <laughs> so, um, in terms of uh, economic development, uh, you know, what, uh, what does Lynn have to do to continue to be a solvent or, uh, uh, community and, and uh, deal with the other host of issues, whether it's uh, uh, ex expanding housing starts or achieving equity uh, within the, a diverse population? Yeah, so I always think about, like, how, how we can uh, rejuvenate our local economy. And I think that it starts with bringing our community together and hearing about what they would like to see happen in the city of Lynn um, that they would contribute to. And so, so for me, you know, that is like having a, an establishment where the community can come together and celebrate birthday parties, right? I noticed that, like, we... I often have to travel far away to go to, like, my niece's birthday party um, and whatnot. We don't have that in Lynn where it's a, it's a community space where people can do those things, right? And that would be, like, um, creating more community, have to give back to their local economy as well. And so I think it's putting our residents' thoughts first and seeing what is something that you'd like to see in Lynn that you would invest in and taking those ideas into serious consideration. How do you get the dis how do you get the disenfranchised the people who think that the city has passed them by or that their vote doesn't count how do you get them to change their mind or to feel like uh, that they are part of the solution uh, what what can you do to 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 help those yeah. people Yeah there's there's a lot of political apathy and I was one of those people who felt like my voice didn't matter because the same people kept getting elected and I felt like my voice didn't matter. And so, you know, 
being on the doors, sharing sharing that story of why I got into politics and why I actually care about voting. Um, you know, nothing will change if nothing changes, but somebody has to try. Okay. And I want to be that voice to to be that fighting voice for our residents in Lynn, uh, for people that have never felt part of the process, for people like people. I think for the first time, this seat has never been held. Lynn itself has never had a woman of color on the city council. And so because this is so different, this is something that they've never seen, people are getting more excited. People are getting more engaged because this is, this is different. Um, and so it's being accessible. It's, it's letting them know that I will be transparent. It's letting them know that, you know, they can hold me accountable. And being all those things. Like, I have my cell phone number everywhere, uh, on my lit, on my business card, on my Facebook, on my site, everywhere, so that they can call or text me anytime. Um, and it's really just letting them know that this, this race, this campaign is not about me. It's about moving our city forward, putting our residents first, bringing power back to the people in Lynn. And, and we got a few minutes left. Tell us uh, what the campaign has been like for you and uh, what you're doing uh, to, to, get the, to get known uh, and to uh, talk to other people. And what, what has it been like for you? <laughs> so, so being a candidate is so funny because I am consistently interrupting people's dinners, people's walks. <laughs> um, it's, so we, it's been really it's been a really humbling experience. I am so honored to have the privilege to be able to have conversations with people who, you know, are sharing their concerns, things that they've gone through. Like I've spoken to, it's, it's really touching and I want, I don't want to let them down. Like we have knocked on over 18,000 doors and, and we've raised over $34,000 and I'm happy to say that I've never accepted any money from developers uh, we really raise a lot of money from people that that believe in us and will believe in me and and the change that we want to bring to Lynn. And it's asking for money is really hard, but we had to do it because because I'm young, because not a lot of people know my name. So we had to actively work to make sure that we're getting the word out there. Um, so we're door knocking, we're phone banking, we're doing mailers, we're doing Facebook ads, we're we're continuing to go door to door and just talking to as many people as we can. And that involves expanding our, our electorate, right? We don't just focus on the people that are considered the, the super frequent voters. We focus on everybody because we want to ensure that we are including everybody in the process because that's where it matters most. Um, so overall, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy, but it's been really humbling. And um, I'm really, I'm really, uh, honored when people take the time to open the door and share with me um, about things that they care about going on in Lynn. Great. Well, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy campaign to be a, a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold. We certainly wish you well uh, in your first bid for office uh, uh, for Ward 6 at Lynn, and, and uh, good luck uh, next week, and may, uh, hopefully we can have you back and talk again another time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm Bob Gillis, president of Cape Ann Savings Bank, serving the Cape Ann community with stability and commitment for over 170 years. Since 1846, our customers have relied on our local bank service and big bank benefits. Stop by our offices or call to talk about your banking needs at 978-283-0246. Built on community, CapeAnnSavings.Bank. Member FDIC, member DIF, equal housing lender. Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners with respected companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policies. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester, now partnering with Columbia Insurance, serving the North Shore. Well, another quick hour has flown by. It flew by. Um, you um, got in pretty deep there in the city of Lynn. Yes. Which is good. Um, 
very interesting stuff, and there's a, there's a common thread there, obviously, that's going on among them all. So it's going to be interesting to see how that stuff turns out. Now, next Friday, uh, what are we doing? Next Friday, we're uh, stepping away from the election series. We'll be over. We're actually going to be talking to some veterans uh, in anticipation of Veterans Day, which is the following week. So we're going to have three or four veterans on and talk about uh, their time in the military and uh, in their, in some cases, their support of the military post their uh, activity uh, serving our country. All right. Sounds good. That's next Friday. Good Lord, one on the creek don't rise right. at, uh, at 10 a.m. here on MSL. And don't forget, big football game tonight as the uh, D3 playoffs begin. It'll be Belmont High School at Danvers High School. Game time is at 7 o'clock. I'll be there with Coach Paul Ingram. And it uh, should be a, an interesting game, Northeastern Conference versus the Middlesex League. That's tonight at uh, 7 o'clock with lots of other coverage as well. Bill Newell will be in Revere, I believe, and Marty Smith will be over um in North Reading, covering the Marblehead at North Reading game. So all of that uh, and more coming up tonight and tomorrow. More coverage of the football playoffs here on MSONewsports.com. So for Josh Arnold and Bill Proposky, I'm Rick Moore. Have a great weekend.